Welcome back to the Swiss Power, where IT leaders share the insight with other leaders and others that want to lead. My name is Carlos Vargas, and as in every week, my two co-hosts, Hart Holden and Paul Lewis. Take two. Hey, now. Because <laughs> <laughs> otherwise I was going to. So 100 episodes, Carlos has nailed the intro every time until yep. today. Till today. Right. And, and unlike Paul and I, who don't get to cut and reshoot when we make a mistake... Carlos has the controls, so he just cut and reset. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we were 15 minutes in, and he cut the whole thing. Off. It, was, it was terrible. It was terrible. So, so, nice. uh, so, Paul, um, the last couple weeks, Carlos and I have been working our tails off. Carlos working for right. you to make you look good, and you've been mucking about in in Greece. Like, what's going on? That's cruise. What, I've what's traveled that? the world. I've, I had a trip, not a vacation. I was able to visit uh, several countries, started in Venice, walked around the canals, appreciated that history, went to Croatia a couple stops, saw things like where uh, the mother of dragons kept her dragons. That was fun. <laughs> in split Croatia. I then went to a couple of islands in Greece, um, went to Ephesus and Turkey, and then ended up in Athens again so I could look at the Acropolis, which was amazing. I visited a half a dozen Acropolises. Um, I've probably spent, I don't know, 80 hours in both lecture-based content and historical um, uh, site content. And it was awesome and amazing and I'm tired and I'm glad to be back. But it was uh, it was a trip uh, not to be forgotten, that's for sure. So it was a trip because it involved uh, work rather than a vacation, which didn't, not a trip because you run acid the whole time. It did not involve work at all. But the difference between work and vacation is a vacation you go and stare at the wall, you know, have beverages by the sea and do nothing. This was up at 6 a.m. <laughs> learn, yeah, learn, 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 have a nice dinner. Yeah, like like there was there was it took it, it had some sort of scheduled effort that was required. That's what I mean by work, not not right. the thing to which you are paid. Correct. Yes, it was it was a lot of uh, being in places at the right time in order to get on the bus to go to the other place. Definitely, definitely a lot of schedule. But I kind of like that, right? You know, as a Disney file, you kind of have to, you know, work in the schedule of both the park and the rides. So the same kind of thing. It would not be in my personal best interest to sit by a pool or a beach and stare at the water for, you know, 12 hours. That, that would last about 45 minutes. Yeah, okay. So I don't feel bad. Right I can't do that either. I could you do 45 minutes. That's, that's the longest I could do. 45 minutes. <laughs> I would then stand up and have to walk and do something. I mean, I would I would be fine sitting there for twelve hours, but I'd be reading reading a book, right? Like I could right. easily sit and read for twelve hours solid with without much of a break. Like if my wife didn't say, "Hey, stupid, you haven't eaten anything," <laughs> I could easily sit there for twelve hours. All right, so you could vacation. Could you do that twelve days in a row? No, no. I could do it twelve hours in a row. Didn't you hear me? I just said twelve hours. <laughs> right. <laughs> one requires effort. The other one requires work. Right. So did you did you enjoy it? Were you happy? It was amazing. It was purposely created that way. I learned 
much more than I had going in. So as an example, I presumed an Acropolis was a fort in some way. It was it was where, you know, the armies of the particular region was preparing for battle and, you know, fighting off the forces that were coming at them when in fact, and there was only one of them, right? The Acropolis of Athens. In fact, there are many Acropolises. In fact, there are generally an Acropolis per town. You know, the closest, the closest uh, uh, mountain or hill to that particular area, and it was just in many ways a safe haven, right? It was there's marauders constantly coming, and I'm just a town with a bunch of shoemakers, and I need to get someplace so I'm not marauded. Uh, and I got to see lots of those because that's where lots of history is. That's where a lot of the that the, the towns were found, right? A lot of the, a lot of the, 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 the uh, finds, archaeological finds. Enjoyed it. So now, now, in the, like in Western Europe, you're going to find castles came out of forts, which were really the first things that were built once someone established enough control over a region to build any lasting construction, mm -hmm. right? Um, because they were invading someone else's land. Is the right. same true of the Acropolis? Like, was that, was that generally like the initial kind of fort that established the edge of the nation that they then built the city out from? Or, or was the Acropolis, like, did the Acropolis come by later as, Greece was already established and they were and there were other invaders that were kind of pressing in on Greece. Um parcel. What you wouldn't find is an Acropolis that's sitting up against the water. Right? It isn't supposed to be fortification against you know anybody coming at you. It was set way back generally, because you know, if you saw somebody coming and you were the fisherman in this town, you wanted to be able to get to a place that was safe inland which would have taken longer for anybody that are, you know, had a, had an armada of boats coming after your particular island, which is, you know, very relevant in Greece where there's, depending on who, how you count, either 2,000 or 8,000 islands. Right. right. So, so, yeah, so that's interesting. So they, so they would set the Acropolis on a hill back far enough that whatever marauders they were used to dealing with at the time didn't have anything that they could range that far and thus had to make landfall. Correct. Interesting. Exactly. exactly. It wasn't a fort in the sense where it's right on the water, right on the hill. It was the one shooting ships. No, that's not what they were for. Sure, which meant they 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 effectively abandoned the city. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Let the marauders take, do the pillaging. We're going to stop the raping. Right. Exactly. Right. I mean, <laughs> you want to narrow it down to a. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but that's that's effectively what they did, right? Leave because because you can you're not dragging your possessions to the Acropolis, right? Right. So so I I think that's interesting, and I'm going to Carlos for a second because um uh, that speaks to a nation that was really focused on the things that were important, mm -hmm. right? Happiness is people. Happiness is not possessions. Right. Right. Um, and I think they got used to a lot of new ownership. Right, everywhere you go, it was here was the era of the Ottomans. Sure. Sometime later, here was the era of the Romans. Sometimes later, here was the era of the Greeks. Oh, after that, here was the era of the Romans again. Right. It was just right. a lot of changing hands, 
And you can tell that in the architecture, like, you know, there's always four or five levels of a, of, of a, of a homestead. And you could tell when that particular homestead was built and who was living in it just based on the stones that were used. Sure. Well, the, yeah. not just the stones, right. But the, um, the, the method used to do the stone carving. Right. Right. How was it placed? How smooth are the stones? Like, like the, the, not just the artistry, but the engineering of that particular time was evident. Um, I, I saw the same thing in Jerusalem and I found it, I found it, it like I could have, I could have spent the entire day walking around the walled city, admiring the change over time. Cause you saw like, you know, a thousand years of conquest, 2000 years, you know, almost 2000 years of conquest contained within those walls. And it was really, really impressive to look at and impressive to see. Um, and you could like, not only could you see everyone who left their mark, but you could almost track it to advances in war, right? Advances mm -hmm. in war are almost universally, I need to build a bigger wall for the thing that's happening until walls are no longer necessary. Right. Right. In modern warfare, walls are, they, they, they serve no useful value, right? There's no wall we cannot accurately fire over. And so right. the walled city serves no reasonable purpose. Matter of fact, in modern warfare, the wall probably hurts you significantly more than it helps you nowadays because um, there is advantage to being able to disperse your people and not keep them all within you know, that space. When it comes to biological warfare, when it comes to sure explosive warfare when it comes to to you know nuclear warfare there is there is a a, a lot of value to dispersing your people yeah. uh, one smart bomb would uh, would not be in your best interest right right yeah so ephesus so, was interesting in that originally it was built on the water but then over time as the town grew they've effectively wasted and created so much waste that all of that river sort of became mud <laughs> and the town actually became miles away from the actual water and they had to rebuild Ephesus closer. So they had to keep rebuilding it because they laid waste to the water that's actually coming at them. Right. And did they, did they um, redirect the flow of the river around the waste or, or did that happen naturally? Like... Nope. They just, they just rebuilt the town closer every time. No, that's bizarre. <laughs> that seems like a really silly way to do that. Right, like, right. But remember, this is over thousands of years, right? It, it wasn't, you know, every decade they rebuilt the town. No, but like somebody should have been able to have a measuring tape of some sort and gone, you know what? This used to be beachfront property, and then that was beachfront property, and then that was beachfront property, and then that, like, guys, maybe we should have a planning committee. <laughs> right. Like, maybe second. we need a little bit of a city of city planning, some civil engineering. You know, something to say, hey, uh, you know, I think I think maybe how about how about we we redirect the flow of this river like a, a half a mile away and we establish some rules. So this will be the last time we move the city, not just the next right. time we move the city. Yeah. And some so, of that, I so, think, is just different ownership, right? Different ownership, different conquering, different thought on how I need to implement that engineering. Sure. I mean, I guess if it changes hands every 10 years, too, it's kind of hard to really give a give a hell because ultimately i can't make any progress in 10 years or 20 years you know in ancient times i need a hundred and if right. i don't really care what happens in a hundred years because because like my dynasty is not even going to own it right. then i guess maybe it's not worth the investment and i just let it happen so my that's mom the amazing was a history part of that sorry go ahead carlos my mom was a history teacher and she said that yeah. we need to learn 
from our previous mistakes or what we have done. So you you look happy. You look like you enjoyed that trip. And it, people it at that was... time, and I think that Harold was hitting at something. Sometimes when people like start building or start changing and they don't plan, they don't look at the effect. Do you guys see any parallel in that into some of the work that we do? Like when you're leading a team or leading something and then all of a sudden, well, I'm not going to lead that for a long time. I don't care too much. Or the ones that actually focus on, no, this needs to change because I am not going to lead for a long time or I'm not going to be on that role for a long time. I mean, there's very little where the purpose is the thing itself or should be the thing itself, right? Technology for technology's sake is a terrible way to create technology in the same way that leadership for leadership's sake is not a good way to, to create leadership, right? You, there has to be a purpose. There has to be a goal. There has to be a point. Um, and while we can easily say perfection is not attainable, right, um, at what point do you have enough growth? At what point have you made enough progress? At what point is it time to move on, move up or move out, right? Do you not measure success um, for a technology leadership in both short-term, medium, and long-term though? Like some decisions I'm going to make are for today. Some of them are going to make it for the year. Some of them may outlast my tenure in this organization. Uh, sure, but, but, but isn't there a limited, like if I started an organization that, that is in chaos as a service, right? And I turn it into a well-oiled machine. Is it reasonable to expect that I'm going to get the same level of satisfaction on both sides of that equation? Right? Like, like maybe I don't like, maybe, maybe I, I do much better in chaos. Maybe I do much better in, in order. Right? But at one, at one side of that equation or the other, like I'm likely to go, well, the thing that I came here to do is done. I didn't actually come here to you know, to, to do whatever state it's at now. Right. And so, yes, I put the wheels in motion, but do I really need to be the one to see them, see it through to completion? Hmm. Let's be honest. If any of us put a 30 year plan into motion, we're not going to see it through to completion. No. That's true. Yet we probably should be putting a 30 year plan into motion. Like we should be thinking that long. We should be thinking out that long. And if it's not 30 years, then what is the limit? Is it 20? Is it 15? Is it 10? It's probably reasonable. 10 might be reasonable. Five? Five sure should be reasonable, right? But but I would argue that we really should be planning for, for the next generation, whatever that generation looks like. I think it's fair to say that programmatically, I've never thought much beyond three to five years. Like I've, whatever programmatic technology implementation, create a new PMO, do an enterprise architecture practice build some software that i don't have this general plan that that's a 10-year adventure and it's to be much more amazing years from now than it currently is put that energy into people and say i think this person will in the next 10 to 20 years and therefore i'm going to put some energy into that person do i believe that person might eventually be a cio I don't really know. And if I'm not working with them after the fact, 
I don't actually, I, you know, I'm not encouraging them anymore. And therefore, I don't know if they're getting the experience and expertise they require to do so. But that's the only time I really look beyond three to five years. Did, did you look differently when you were operating as a CIO? Did, did you actually really look at a 20-year adventure um, for any decisions you were making? 10 years for sure. I, I don't know that 20 years would really? have been reasonable. Right. Um, what's a 10 year, what's a 10 year outlook you would have made Uh transformation from startup to enterprise. There are definitely decisions that take far longer than five years to really see the, the outcome. Right. And, and things that you're not ready for that you need to stage. Right. Is that transformation? This question is, did you think you were going to be there in 10 years? Like, did you think you were going to no, see no, the ever. resolution? No, no, not ever. Um, like, yeah. I, I never went in, I've never gone into an organization with a plan to leave. Right. Hmm. But 10 years always seemed like a long time. And I've been in organizations right. for 10 years. But, but it always seemed like a long time. You know, um, mm -hmm. five is really like, let's say three to six is really where I'm smartest. Like it's what works best for me. I don't, I, I can escape some of the traps of things I don't like to do. Um, I can get away from the boredom that drives me completely nuts. Um, but that doesn't, that still doesn't mean that I shouldn't plan for what I put in place to, to have pieces that will run beyond my tenure. Sorry, I'm not, I'm not I see it more wind up. I see it more as a white duck toy process. Whereas my job was to wind up three, four, five, six ducks, drop them on the ground and let them go. Um, I don't know where they're going to end up necessarily, but I've set them in the right direction and I knew it needed to be a duck. And I knew how much I need to wind it for it to get to some reasonable distance, but I didn't really know where it was going to land and whether they crossed paths or whether it actually doubled back and came back to me. Is that yeah, I mean, No, no. Um, I'm, I'm not sure it's, I'm not sure it's that different, but it's a fleet of ducks rather than one duck. Right. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, like I'm going to set, I'm going to set 12 ducks in motion or, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to build 12, 12 little sailboats and set them out, set them out on the lake right. all at the same time. And, and sure, I can't guarantee that they're going to end up at the destination, right? But because once they go over the horizon, I, I'm not watching them anymore. I'm trusting that that what I've done to get them to the to the correct point in the horizon is going to is going to continue taking them forward the direction they need to go. Um, but yeah, right? redirected so, to another set of boats, another set of ducks, right? Correct. Whether that's the same organization or a different organization, right? right. Um, and if it's the same organization, then I, you know, I do have radio communications. Like, like I do have methods to make sure the ducks are on track. I'm probably not watching them once they leave the horizon, but I'm probably staying in contact and getting feedback. Right. Right. Uh, but, but what is the end game? Cause we kind of, you know, we kind of led this whole conversation kind of started from a premise that you had um, that we haven't really touched on. What is the premise and what, what do we need to touch on here, Paul? I don't remember to be honest with you. <laughs> what was the two? Does anybody remember the premise? Your question around happiness, I have enough. All right. 
<laughs> we're killing, killing I, Carlos. We're killing him, Paul. Yeah. Killing him. Yeah. So, thought, so Paul, I, I think thought that Carlos the, was going to make the transition. Which I did the transition one time ago. Because, I think you forgot what your what your premise was. <laughs> like even even I tried steering it towards the happiness question. Oh no, we're lost. <laughs> we're lost. You're you're still on vacation mode. That's the problem. Yeah. So, so let, me let me let me restrain it in a different way. You guys talk about all this work and where you take it and you put the people for the plan. But when do you know that you had enough and that you're happy with the direction that it's taking so you can say, you know, I think that is going the way that, I, that my vision was going. Now I am happy. So I can focus on the next step. Okay. So 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 it all matches. It all matches. I am frequently um, reviewed as someone who is consistently happy. Uh, they wonder why, uh, but also consistently less concerned about the success of something I put in motion. So to the premise. I do spend a good portion of my time winding up ducks, putting them in the ground and letting them go. The reason why I can maintain happiness is because I don't spend a good portion of my time thinking about the success of each of the ducks, unless it's short term, right? I've, there's this duck. I know it's only a month long and this success of my quarters based on the success of this duck getting to that location. However, as CIOs, as technology executives in general, most of the things you do are longer than a month and a quarter. They just go, right? And you have an expectation that there are other people in your organization or other organizations that are actually worrying about the waypoints of this individual duck. So I'm happy because I don't really spend a good portion of my time once I've wound it up and let it. I spend much more of my time next duck learning best way to wind it the place that i think it'll be more successful into the next duck i'm happy because i'm not worried about the experience gains of where that duck's gonna go i have enough experience on those waypoints i have enough experience in what ducks make sense in the circumstance that i'm in i have enough um stagecraft to be able to talk about those ducks i have enough conversations like this to ensure that we can entertain and educate others on the ducks that are necessarily to do that i don't have the stress of ensuring it gets to the end why because five and ten years is a long time and a lot of external factors like wind and earthquakes and i mean multi-generational changes affect the direction and velocity and acceleration of those decks anyway. So I'm happy because I spend my time differently. Howard, does that resonate or do you disagree completely? Um, I don't disagree completely. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> I try to focus as close as I get to tactical success. I really try to re restrain to um, growth. Mm. 
right? Because um, otherwise I'm with you. Like I don't, I don't really get stressed about the tactical. I don't really get stressed about the near term or professionally for sure. Um, like I get bothered, but it's not really the same. Like I don't carry it with me. It's not really the same thing, right? Um, and most of the bother is there's a limited, is, is around time, right? There's a limited amount of hours in the day can I spend those hours in the way that are the most productive, that are the most valuable, that are the most useful, or that are the most relaxing, which is in and of itself useful, mm -hmm. right? And so I tend to get frustrated or, or upset in the near term by those things that waste my time. And I tend to look for near-term opportunities for growth. Growth for me is generally learning something new. I love to yeah, learn knowledge. Knowledge. Knowledge tends to be the growth that I'm looking for, right? Um, knowledge in an infinite number of places. And so when you kind of laid this whole thing out, um, it, it is never enough because that, that I don't ever have enough knowledge. The rest of the stuff I don't, I, like I could, it's fine. Um, but the knowledge, I don't really have enough. Um, and then, yeah, it's all about that macro view, right? Can I put the things in motion now that pay dividends in six months, in eight months, in 12 months, in 24 months, in 36 months? And can my vision carry the future to five years? Even if that means I have to adjust and change for the duration of, of being here, but so that when I leave, I leave someone with the plans necessary to be successful for those, you know, 24 months after I leave, 36 months, whatever it is after I leave. Um, that, that's kind of important to me, right? Um, it's never it's never truly as successful as I want it to be, right? Um, which partially comes from uh, whoever leaves, they get the blame for all the things that that the people who are still there do wrong. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, no, this went wrong because it was his fault. Because he left, it's easy to blame him, right? So, so it's very hard, but you kind of have to leave with the confidence that you did the right thing and that you set people up for success and you design the team for success and, you know, kind of et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then just let it go. In terms of knowledge, do you think you, there's ever a topic to which you'll have enough knowledge? Um, so, so that depends on the way you would define it enough. Like there are plenty of topics to which I don't see myself gaining any more knowledge because I'm not interested in the topic. Okay. I don't know that that was necessarily your question. Right? Uh, of the topics that you're keenly interested in, no. Is there a bottom to that well? No. Yeah. No. That, not in that's any way. the distinct difference between us, I think. You would enjoy your location behind you, right? You'd go into that library. And if that library was entirely about an interesting topic, you would consume as much as you could there. What I yes. would do in that library is I would go in there. I would appreciate the history of that library. They would tell me stories about Howard and, and his you know, days of reading books in that library. Then I'd walk away and I'd be satisfied with that knowledge. And I'd walk into another library. I'd walk into another building. I'd walk into another scenario because because the quantity is more interesting than the than the than the depth, I guess. The breadth is more interesting than the depth. Yeah. Um, I, the, like I'm not turned off by breadth. That's right. The, right. Because there's a there's a level of education within breadth that I also find fascinating. Right? right. I often talk about the connective tissue of things, and I'm fascinated by connective tissue. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, the the I, I think history 
would be an infinitely more useful experience for students if we stopped talking about static dates and instead talked about the connective tissue. Right. Right. Um, the Civil War happening, spurring the Industrial Revolution, and those two things being so close together that one enabled the other and really promoted the other. Right. Like mm -hmm. this country, this country being the U.S., could not have been successful if our civil war had happened 50 years earlier. The Industrial Revolution was too far away. The labor effectively, the dynamics of labor changing so much would have likely put us out of business. It's also why the North wasn't interested 50 years before. Right. But the Industrial Revolution being there and the dynamics around labor changing pushed us into heavy industrialization in a way we didn't we wouldn't have otherwise had patience for and that connective tissue i find extremely interesting right um and i think if we you know so that's a breadth conversation not a depth conversation mm -hmm. and so i find a lot of value in those in those but i have to be able to find that connective tissue um right. and i'm also and it may take depth to do that correct because okay. you because you have to study enough facets of places and times to be able to start to see those connections and start put those connections together, right? And technology is no different, right? The connective tissue in technology is is insane. I, I was talking to a, a company today that's a security company, um, and they kind of go through their whole spiel. And I went, I went, um, okay, so you have one of two things that get seen. The first is, wow, this is great. You do a lot of things. It's a very thorough solution to the problem. The other one is, wow, you do a lot of things. It seems like you shotgun. I don't know how you could be good at any one of them because you do so many. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, and I said, and I think the problem is actually the way you tell the story. Like I had to wait all the way to the end for you to tell the story that actually mattered, which was um, we've been around a long time. And our philosophy is when chasing the new shiny, you tend to discard all of the lessons that were learned previously. And some right. of those things were really good and really efficient at dealing with specific tasks. And so we don't throw the, the old away and embrace the new. We use the, the existing lessons for what they're really good at. And we apply the new to the things the existing isn't good at. And once we've learned the, what is currently new well enough that we can establish patterns and lower the barrier for solving those challenges by using simpler methods, we'll use simpler methods to solve those challenges too. And it creates a much more complete ecosystem with the best of both worlds or best of all worlds. Um, and, and like it, it, it always boggles my mind how much of what we do is technology for technology's sake, right? Or um, strategy for strategy's sake, you know, what's your cloud strategy? What's your DevOps strategy? What's your insert name of strategy here? All of those are designed to give a, to deliver a panicked response that triggers a buying decision that turns into shelfware, abandonware, or crapware, right? Um, and, and yet we seem like we're really kind of focused on that without even an approach around what's good enough to get the job done because I don't really understand the job today, right? I'm just right. moving from crisis to crisis to crisis. And I think why we're, we're happy and why we focus on the things we do is because we don't move from crisis to crisis to crisis, right? When we're stopped in our tracks, we try to understand what is it that I'm actually trying to solve? What's the truth behind the, the, the BS? What's the cause of it? And then how do I solve it efficiently, effectively, utilizing the resources I have available to me 
And if I don't have the resources, I don't get wrapped around the axle about it. I just kind of go, okay, cool. Then I need the resources, right? It's mm -hmm. why you approach things like ecosystems of talent with so little ego, right? You bring right. that up to most C-level executives and they go, no, 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 we'll do it ourselves. Why? Well, because it's power. Because I get to hire seven new people to do that. Okay, but that's that's a silly way to do that. How about how about right. how it comes from being really good at your job? Right. Right. How, how about it, how about if power came from just being really efficient and really effective? And hey, guess right. what? How about you recognize that it's within you and not your organization? And if they don't appreciate it, just pick a new organization. <laughs> right. <laughs> so the prem so my my original premise, I'm happy because I'm satisfied with what I have and what I know. Is that true for you, that statement? Um, no, I'm happy because I know who I am and I'm happy with who I am. And I get to do the things that make me who I am. And, and I Carlos, think that's... Why are you happy? Because he gets to do this podcast with us. No. <laughs> because I get to do it. But you, you just hit the head on the nail on the head. When you learn to be happy with who you are, I think that that empowers you to actually develop whatever it is that is your superpower. You can be really good at technology or you can be really good at being a leader or being a manager. But if you're not happy with who you are, you're going to be trying to copy someone else. Mm -hmm. And when you copy someone else, you're going to spend all your effort in trying to copy that person. And then you're going to be really crappy at what you're good because you have no energy left. <laughs> but when you actually do a podcast and then you don't mess up the entrance, then you actually <laughs> do something really good like this. We end up with a great podcast without no errors because we focus Sometimes on... Sometimes you have to be humble. No, no, but I, I think that you guys hit it on the nail on the, uh, the nail on the head. You guys have great leadership expertise looking at it from two different angles. Like you said, how I like to go deep. And when he said, what is the thing that he will never get tired or go deeper? I'm like, D and D. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, can Paul Urban. sit down on a D and D conference? And go for hours talking or playing about D and I'm like, mm, I cannot. I don't think so. I could but go that, to multiple multiple forty five minute sessions, but I couldn't sit for eight hours in one topic. That's for sure. But I think that, that that's a key. When each one of us learn to be happy, then we can actually have enough and help others. Because that's what you guys do. You said you wind the dogs so they can move forward. And they can actually fulfill what they're good at. True. Well, my friends, it's been awesome to see you again. And each one of you that are watching our episode, I know that you're watching because I can see the views. Make sure that you <laughs> share, you subscribe, and we'll see you on our next episode.